Hi, I'm Kes Otterleaf, and welcome to Margins and Memorations, the podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, I don't have social media, so this is the best way for people to find out about me. And if you'd like to know more about my work, you can check out otterleaf.com. Otter like the animal, and leaf, L-I-E-F-F-E. So, in my novels, I wrote about a herbal clinic run by trans and queer folks that form part of a resistance movement against state oppression. In real life, my gorgeous sister, Ayelet, has created a herbal medicine clinic centering trans femmes and trans women in so-called New York City. In this episode, we talk about trans herbalism, Jewish connections, trans misogyny in holistic healthcare, and choosing relationship with plants and life around us. Ayelet Adelman dreams of trans women thriving and schemes about ways that biomedicine, holistic medicine, and plant magic can work in synergy towards this end. Ayelet is a proud anti-Zionist, Ashkenazi Yam, a Jewish educator, ritualizer, and language nerd. She's a clinical herbalist and a research-loving herb yenta, gossiping and matchmaking her way towards full bodily autonomy and self-determination with the hopes of further solidifying relationships of reciprocity between marginalized communities, plants, and the non-human world as a whole. Currently based in occupied Lenapehoking, Brooklyn, Ayelet is white, middle-class, able-bodied, and neurodivergent. She believes in an abolitionist future of indigenous sovereignty and the necessary work of restoring and remediating this earth. Hi, darling! Hi. Hi. Oh my goodness. Hello. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. I'm so excited. Excited, as you said before. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so uh I'm going to make this kind of um a question that I ask everybody um which is yeah, to tell me something about the uh, other than human, more than human nature around you at the moment. I know you're in a big mm. city, but are there any like cute animals or plants or others around you? Like mm. what about the non-humans in your life at the moment? Yeah, I love that question. Um, yeah, I um, so I am here in Brooklyn um, uh, or what is colonially known as Brooklyn and is um, the historical lands of the Muncie, Lenape, and Canarsie nations. And I'm here in a neighborhood um, called Flatbush, and it is um, a gentrified part of Flatbush, which is called Ditmas Park. And I'm looking down the street, and these streets are known for these ginormous sycamore trees. Um, And... I don't know, I just love these trees so much. Um, Their bark is really, really unique. It's like, is this bark peeling? Is it supposed to be that way? It just has this really unique kind of um, greenish side to it and brownish side to it. And um, it's just like a glorious, glorious thick trunked tree, which which kind of towers over these houses, which I really appreciate and it's this neighborhood where there are a lot of um I would say Victorian mansions and um a lot of more rich white conservative people who um 
I don't know, who are a little bit more like, let's call the cops for like noise complaints or whatever, or mm. let's, um, let's call the city to deal with like, just very kind of like, let's use state violence to solve problems. Right. And what I like about these trees is they just like, they're the bosses of these streets. Like they <laughs> tower over these Victorian mansions in really, really immense and very kind of clear way. There's no ambiguity, like they're the boss. Like mm -hmm. they are the literal boss. They control the weather of the streets. They, um, the sidewalks are all bumpy. Um, their roots are just like, they're gonna tear. I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if people don't have like some kind of foundation issues. I mean, I don't know how sycamore roots grow, but these trees are, are the boss of these streets. Mm. Or the Oof, queens. Yeah, I can really imagine yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. That's um, a gorgeous story about a plant. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to plants. Um, oh my gosh, I could listen to you talking about plants all day. Um, so you're running a herbal clinic in so-called New York, um, and it's centered on trans femmes, trans women, um and yeah tell us more about the clinic but also like how did um how did you get into that like where did your passion for herbal medicine and herbs and plants come from yeah totally so I feel like it's funny I'm always like I've had so many like I I'm, I'm very active on Instagram and I've had so many posts where I was like this latest project has motivated me to get my clinic together. And so stay tuned very soon for the grand opening. And it's just like, I keep on putting out posts like that. And I think it's actually going to happen soon. And um, that's exciting because I think it feels very real to me. I've been seeing clients. Um, I have a lot of more infrastructure in place than I did in the past. And that has been key for me with my particular um, ADHD neurodivergence, just to like, be in this place of making the work easy for me and not like adjusting myself um, too much or bending myself backwards to do things that are hard for me. Um, so that's been really key recently. So I'm, I'm excited about um, my, my um, budding clinic. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I guess like, um, my story with herbalism, I love starting the story with like something I told um, my dear friends, um, Neve, who is your friend as well. Mm. Um, and um, part of our little cohort that we have um, and um, more on her later. But um, I think the first day I met her, I told her this thing where I was like, it was around the time where I was writing, where me and my classmates at the Vermont Center for Integrative Herbalism, which is where I most recently went to school, um, mm. were writing our bios to, to kind of attract clients. And everybody had these stories like, I started talking with plants since I was four years old, or right. like growing up in the green pastures of the countrysides, I was, um, I always knew that I would be a plant person or a tree talker. And I don't, I'm saying this with no irony and no disrespect. This is amazing. This is fucking incredible that people had those kinds of relationships. 
And along with that, it made me think of like, oh, wait a second, like we're supposed to go back in time and say that we've always been something that and like that reminds that sounds me like of, a familiar narrative that sounds like a familiar <laughs> narrative exactly and so I don't know what's there like I don't mm. know like I don't know as we say like what's the Torah there um or if there is any but it did occur to me that like just as um you know narratives around transness has mm. is is vast and abundant and contains multitudes and there's no one um right trans narrative there's no it's not that like the further back in time you go with this particular relationship with this part of yourself the more valid or the more legitimate it becomes mm. i mean that is the way it is according to the gatekeepers um but it, you know, we all know that that's not true. And that's a way to, um, that is a form of um, suppression or violence. Um, and does that same gatekeeping apply to herbalism then? It's like, if you weren't raised by dandelions, you're not a good herbalist? Yeah, you know, I don't want to say that there's a parallel. I really want to be careful around that. I think it's just like, kind of, I think it's more just like, it's it's a funny thing. I, I don't think that there's that parallel, honestly. Mm. Um, so I don't want to, I'm, it's more just like, I think just as there are many ways to be trans or many um, temporal relationships with transness, mm, I think that right. there are many temporal relationships with um, connecting to plants and um, plant medicine and, um, and plant magic and all these different realms. Definitely. So what's and, yours? Oh, and if what's you want mine? To share. Exactly. I do <laughs> want to share. Yeah. And so, um, you know, similar to, I'm similar to like coming out as trans relatively late in life. I think that my connection with plants also started a little bit later in life. Um, I grew up mostly in cities and industrial landscapes. Um, and um, my family, my mom, um, my mom is a medical doctor. And mm. so I grew up with this approach, which was very kind of like any kind of ailments, any kind of, um, I don't know, as we would say in herbalism imbalance, um, there was a pharmaceutical remedy for it. Um, and I think that um, and so I found myself as a young person on a lot of different medications, especially pharmaceutical medications. And um, I'm not saying this as a way, like, as, as you may have mentioned in my bio, I strongly believe in um, the synergy between um, biomedicine or industrial medicine and herbal medicine. So I, I am not anti medication. I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals. I'm anti mm. the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industrial complex. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that there was a way in which growing up with so much medication as kind of like the solution to anything from allergies, sore throat, um, acid reflux, um, to things like in my emotional world as well, um, medication became like the primary solution. Um, 
And I think that coming from this place of just being extremely um, reliant on medications, which I, again, I'm not against. I, I currently am reliant on medications, um, but I became very interested in finding other alternatives to that. Mm. Um, and just like this question of like, there's gotta be some other way. Like it can't be that for every single ailment I have for every single feeling I feel that, that leaning that I, um, I need to lean on pharmaceuticals. Mm. And, um, I think like, um, I grew up for a large portion of my life in, um, occupied Palestine, um, on the so-called Israel side. And um, I began kind of, there's a culture there um, of, there are a lot of medicinal plants that grow around there. And there's kind of more of a culture of kind of making tea from herbs. Um, and so I would do that a lot. Um, I worked at this community garden or I worked mm. near this community garden, which you may or may not know about um <laughs> I mean, where we in fact met <laughs> where we in fact met um, a million years ago a million years ago um <laughs> yeah a beautiful connection um mm. just i would go to these meetings working with with kids and my coordinator at the time would just like pick herbs from the garden and make tea from them and it was based and it was anything from like mallow to nettles to thyme to, um, to um, za'atar um, mm. and things like that. And it was kind of funny, we were making it, it was like we would boil water and then we would pour it into these plastic cups, which I'm just like, I'm sure it wasn't like a, a really, <laughs> like I'm glad that like sanitation, like city sanitation, like, I don't know, like, never visited that place but um yeah I it was it was just like my first experience being like oh there are like there is medicine growing around me um and I don't know how I, great that soil was either really <laughs> we just what's that of, I don't know how great that soil was either really we just kind of squatted a very kind of slimy piece of city and grew a bunch of plants it was yeah, yeah beautiful and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably yeah. better to have some beautiful plants, but oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. There were a lot of things. It was like, but there was like this, even with that, it was like this, oh, there are plants growing in the cracks of the pavement of this mm. industrial city, um, whether that city was Yaffa Tel Aviv or um, New York City, Lenape Hoking, um, there are plants literally growing in the cracks in the pavement that mm. are medicinal. And I don't know, it's funny to say like that are medicinal. I mean, everything is, med everything is medicinal, like both from a sense of like most plants that one stumbles across will have some kind of medicinal effect. And also plants are medicine because they exist and plants are medicine because they exist in their environment and their habitat. And um, they're in, connect in, in a reciprocal connection with um the um the other living and non-living beings around them so it's funny to be like oh this is meant to have this kind of lens of like oh right. this is medicinal but it's just like everything's medicinal everything contributes to our well-being whether we're like picking them and making tea out of them or like chewing them and swallowing them or not 
It's true. And I think there's such a like anthropocentrism to this is medicinal to humans in a specific way for specific things in the way that we conceive it or something. It's like, well, maybe it's really great for nematode worms living in the soil next to the roots of this plant. And that's that's absolutely medicine. Just we don't care totally. about nematode worms. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm really for this expansion of this very kind of like um, anthropocentric lens. Um, and um, I owe that I owe that desire for expansion um, to among other things or among other people, you. I think like this is something that these are conversations that we've had a lot of over the years. And so mm-hmm. I just want to like take a moment to just appreciate your um, your wisdom around that. Mm, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I want to say one more thing about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like to connect this a little bit with transness. Um, I, um, the first experience, I, I moved to, um, I moved to New York City in 2010, 2011. Um, I got, um, this is kind of random, but I got diagnosed with, um, latent tuberculosis. Um, and I decided for the first time in my life to see an herbalist. Um, and that herbalist, um, was Jacoby Ballard, um, who is a wonderful trans, um, trans mask, um, non-binary herbalist. Um, and he was my first Um, like a trans person was my first um, relationship with, um, with accessing herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, a few years later, it was like, it's funny how it's like, I got tuberculosis. And then I like, wanted to access plant medicine. A few years later, I broke my arm. And I was at this, um, such random story. I was at this rainbow gathering, um, not because I wanted to be there. But because I um, forgot about that. Oh my God. I know. Yeah. But because my friend's brother, she was most, she was supposed to meet her brother there. And we were there. We like couldn't find her brother anywhere. That's like besides the point. But I went to the medicine tent there. And um, the first person who I see in the medicine tent um, was this wonderful. gorgeous trans feminine um, person who's now a dear friend of mine named Vilda Chaya Fenster Ehrlich. And Mm. it was that encounter um, with Vilda. I remember walking away from um, the herb tent after having this really gorgeous conversation with Vilda, turning towards my friend Audrey and saying, I wanna take an herbal medicine class. And um, I ended up taking an herbal medicine class with Jacoby Ballard, who was my first herb teacher. Um, I took it with my friend Emiliano, who is also this wonderful trans herbalist. So it's just like my initial connection to the world of plant medicine was with trans people. Um, And I would include, and I would also just, I don't know, I'm be prepared to just be showered with love throughout this. talk because like also I feel like our connection was very um important in that way and so it's just like everybody I feel like 
most of the people who are kind of like my plant medicine doulas were um, other trans people. It's uh, good to that it's an audio podcast. You can't see me blushing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. clinic, which you keep talking about as not existing. And I believe that it already is existing because you're already seeing clients. It's already fabulous. It's totally yeah. real, but, you know, budding, as you call it. Um, yeah. It's centered on trans people, but specifically trans femmes. And uh, yeah, I'm curious um, why you made that choice. Yeah. Um, well, um, in case you don't know this, I am myself, um, trans feminine. I am a trans woman. Um, and I think that there is this way that, I mean, definitely trans people as a whole, but I believe, um, especially trans women and trans feminine people, um, similar to the way that we're often excluded from spaces in both mainstream and kind of like subculture radical spaces and queer spaces, mm. um, whether overtly or covertly, um, I just have noticed the fact that tra- I don't see a lot of trans women in herbalism or in holistic healthcare spaces. Um, or I didn't many years ago, I'm seeing more and more of us there these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like, I would go to these workshops and people would say trans healthcare and the person running it would be, you know, often a wonderful trans masculine person who would say really brilliant things. But I think it just, I think on the one hand, um, there was a flattening of just like being trans mask and being trans femme are different um, right. materially. And um, what um, we are often looking not to like flatten experiences within those categories, like trans femmes amongst ourselves have vastly different experiences from each other, mm-hmm. both desire dependent and positionality um, and health status, um, dependence. Um, so not to flatten those experiences. Um, but as kind of a sweeping generalization, I think it's safe to say that even in terms of what kind of care we're seeking from holistic health spaces, um, there, there is, um, a less, um, I think that there are two layers at play. One is in terms of access and the other is in terms of substance. Mm. And I think in terms of access, I think if you go to a place and you either don't see people like you there or the people who aren't like you don't know really how to deal with you, Mm -hmm. um, then I'm not gonna go to that place. Mm -hmm. And even if it's like holistic healthcare, which I know in theory makes my body feel good or feel better. Um, I think the combination of the fact that holistic healthcare is not subsidized. So we're going to have to like pay out of pocket or be reliant on like the generosity of the organizations offering this. Um, The fact that we, it's going to be a conscious choice um, to access holistic healthcare. We're not going to 
pay the relatively less money that we often not always have for a place that both doesn't have us present there, doesn't know how to relate to us in a ways that feel um, respectful often. And even if those two categories are correct or are present, I think that there's just a, there's like a lack of like, even just from a numbers perspective, the, the, the lower number of trans women who are able to access holistic healthcare or who are working in the holistic healthcare field, I think that people know a little bit less about um, what kind of care we're seeking, both whether it's um, like physical body modification transition related, or if it's psycho-spiritual related, if it's how to deal, people don't often don't even think about um, trans misogyny as a particular form of violence um, mm. that is separate from transphobia. Or if they do, I think people are like kind of can be a little um, less informed than I think is necessary for, um, I can speak for myself, for me to feel comfortable. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very polite way to put it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I say this with, you know, with some care and some like, you know, some like tough love, gentle nudging that like, that I think um, non-trans women do need to do better in terms of being competent in all these ways. I think I mentioned three layers. It's like, there needs to be more of us in these positions of, um, in these organizational permissions or positions as providers. Mm -hmm. And if there aren't, if, the, if there aren't, then I think people really need to raise question marks. Um, mm -hmm. Like why aren't there trans women in my holistic healthcare setting? Why, um, why are there certain kinds of um, identities and positionalities and not, um, and not trans women? And if there are trans women and then like, are these, I don't know, like, I feel like I can access these spaces. I am able-bodied, I'm white, I'm financially privileged in certain ways, um, or from a middle-class um, background. Um, I'm skinny, um, I'm, I'm not a sex worker. So it's like, people need to ask these questions and I think need to do more thorough questioning of, why trans women and a, and a specific and, and a specifically marginalized trans women aren't in these spaces? Hmm. Yeah, it's super important. Yeah, I definitely hear you with um, like going into a place and knowing that somebody has some common experiences with you or not or i mean even just the relevance particularly when it's about medical things um and herbal medical things there's just sometimes people just don't have any idea what happens with trans femme bodies i mean as you say we're all over the map but yeah there were just certain things where it's like yeah even if there's always access even if you can access it is it safe even if you can access it and it's safe is it even relevant and yeah. i think there's something there's always kind of more work to be done there um yeah 
So is the, I mean, I, you know, I guess part of the solution then is training for people who are, for example, non-trans women. Um, and I know you've done that work as well. And then also supporting trans femme-centered clinics like yours. I mean, how do you see that, like those changes happening? Yeah. I honestly think, you know, it's like, I think training is really important and I have done that in the past. Um, I honestly think it, it needs to be more of a bottom up approach. Um, mm. And it's like, trans women have so much, trans women and trans femmes have so much wisdom and so much intelligence. And in particular, when it comes to caring for each other mm. and caring for our bodies. And I think what often happens is, I don't know how to say this exactly, but just like, we don't get the space to actually put time and attention into caring for each other because we're so busy either trying to survive, trying to make a living or caring for other people who are not trans women. Yeah. And, um, I think that the more that we can do the kind of work that we're already doing, and I think of holistic healthcare as really expansive. So in terms of like, um, I think that there are, you know, trans women herbalists. I have a dear friend who is in massage school and you are a massage therapist. Mm. Um, and, um, I, I know trans women therapists and I know, um, and I heard of this one trans girl in um, Portland, Oregon, who opened a sugar waxing clinic. Um, oh, wow. And I have a dear friend named Zora Berman in um, Western Mass, who is in electrology school. And I think that just like all these, we're already doing the work mm. and it's just, we need the resources we need to be able to channel, channel our energy towards caring for each other in this particular way in order for that wisdom to be able to like take hold and have a real material effect on our lives and our health and our bodies and our well-being. Mm, yeah. So we talked a little bit about training. Um... And I know that you've been moving more and more into the space of being a teacher, which I fucking love. Um, and yeah, tell us more. What are, what are the subjects you've been teaching about recently? What are you into? Um, tell me everything. Okay. Then if I tell you everything, I also have to tell you that um, I have a friend, a dear friend, to your beloved friends who um, one day took me into the woods outside of Bristol <laughs> um, and taught me how to be a teacher, um, specifically a language teacher. Um, but um, also on that, on that walk, I remember we had this moment where we were talking about plants and you talked about your relationship with mugworts and mm. it, was, it was very, yeah, it was very beautiful. Um, anyways, I just want to shout out to... Um, <laughs> you again for um being such a huge um 
yeah, ever present um, teacher and cheerleader. And yeah, so I'm just like, if we're going to talk about teaching, then like, <laughs> we got to give credit where credit's due. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's true. I do love teaching. Um, I, um, I have that a little bit in my biological family as well. My dad is a professor. My brother is a teacher. And so, um, and then like my other brother is a healthcare provider and my mom is a healthcare provider. So I'm just like, what if, and what if I do like Jewish teaching healthcare? That's just like, why don't I like, um, integrate everything together just Um, makes sense yeah um and my dad teaches about Judaism um Mm. and um and that's kind of a realm which I feel really excited about so um I grew up very Jewish and um I kind of had a have had a few moments over the past I would say seven seven, eight years of reconnecting with Judaism after many years of being estranged, um, mostly because of Jewish fundamentalism and Zionism and the meaning point between those two things. Um, And, but I've had some profound moments of reconnection with Judaism. And um, what I have found especially potent is the way in which um, plants and plant medicine show up in um, various Jewish texts, whether they're kind of more canonical religious texts um, or um, more recent kind of like Ashkenazi or my own Ashkenazi um, folk medicine texts. I'm also really interested in reading about um, different um, Sephardi and Arab Jewish um, folk medicinal practices as well. Um, Although those are not my own, which I cannot um, claim, but all of that whole realm really interests me. And um, so I have felt very excited to teach about, I guess like most of my teaching has been um, in the realm of like either Judaism and plants and, um, or the realm of um, transness and plants. And what I got to do very recently um, at this um, kind of radical queer Jewish land-based gathering called Link of Flegel um, is I got to incubate this idea that I've been percolating on for a while, which is what if I talk about Judaism and plants and transness, which is like, I'm like, yes, it's like, (laughs) how can I combine all three together? Um, and that was an exciting thing for me. So, um, it was a workshop that I really enjoyed and I'm really excited about, um, working on more, um, which is, um, kind of like the relationship between body autonomy struggles, both in the realm of like abortion and contraception on the one hand and trans bodily, um, and identity autonomy on the other hand, through the lens of plants and um, specifically through the lens of um, plants as mentioned in um, this particular Jewish text called the Talmud and some subsequent other rabbinical works. Um, But also I was able to sneak in some cool stuff about um, 
about plants and or, or plants and with hormonal activity or affinity in the non-human mm-hmm. animal world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, when you told me about it, it just sounded like the funnest thing to research that I can possibly imagine. Like, uh, you must have had so much fun reading. I had so much fun. Articles about that. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember talking to you about it, and also that was inspired by um, your work around queer ecology and. Um, and our mutual our mutual friends um, Anya's work mm. around um, queer plants and mm. um, shout out to your coloring book um, and queer and- plants zine that I'll be making next week in fact <laughs> with all of Anya's gorgeous illustrations mm. yeah totally so big shout out Coming to soon. that um, so yeah I think I've just been really enjoying like asking my I I enjoy a deep dive and I've been enjoying asking myself these questions like um can plants be supportive in um trans women and trans femmes um transition or well-being um can plants have plants been used for hormonal what we would now call hormonal related um things um, in Jewish texts, um, do animals, um, non-human animals consume, um, plants to regulate their own endocrine system? And so these are just like different questions that I've been asking myself and different deep dives that I've been on. And it's just been like so fun and so incredible that I've had some outlets, um, to share that. And I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to more. You do love a deep dive. I do love I totally a deep dive. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to pull out um, the words bodily autonomy and agency, because I feel like they're like threads running through a lot of the work that you're doing, and particularly with related to um, yeah, holistic health, plant medicines, plant magic, um, and transness. And I'm curious, yeah, how where the connection is there for you, like concretely, like what... What does that look like? How do those things show up in the work that you're doing? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, huh. So there's this way in which I feel like trans people are presented with this false um binary that they have to choose I mean I'm not talking like in many ways more (laughs) ways than one but um but the the particular binary I'm thinking of is um either do nothing or surrender yourself on the one hand and kind of um or surrender yourself to the medical industrial complex um And I, there is so, I mean, there is already infinite space between those two binaries in ways that are already present. Um, And I just really love the ways that plants can offer entry points into that, the kind of like vast expanse that is not even between those two binaries because those those two ends don't really exist. but um, 
I'm just really interested as plants as an entry point, um, as a way of kind of disrupting this binary. And I'll give you a few examples, um, which I think some might be a little bit more abstract and some might be a little bit more concrete. Um, and I just wanna shout out to um, um, this wonderful um, trans woman herbalist named um, Josephine Parker of Voyager who articulated part of this in um, this manuscript that she is writing um, or has written um, called um, Wild Transition. Um, and she talks a lot about this space of um, this kind of like false idea that in order to, if, if one just on the end of the spectrum of choosing kind of biomedical interventions, whether it's pharmaceutical hormones or surgery, this false sense of like needing to totally surrender to that, um, which I think the biomedical establishment does a very good job of kind of driving that point home. Um, and they do it in part for some reasons, which I think are understandable. Like if you're going to have um, surgery, which is like this huge process that your body goes through, then there are certain risks that they don't want you to take, it, especially with mm -hmm. regards to things that have to do with blood and bleeding and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And so there are herbs that kind of can increase um, bleeding um, or thin the blood um, and be anti-clotting, which um, I, think, I think like that's totally reasonable. I would not um, recommend a client um, take a bunch of um, willow bark or other kind of blood thinning herbs a few days before surgery. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't wanna like disqualify all of that. But on the other hand, I think that there is this impression with the biomedical establishment in general and surgery in particular, that herbs are kind of like either inherently dangerous or we just don't know anything about them um, right. or not enough research has been done. And of course, like hundreds and thousands of years of like um, documented and undocumented clinical experience of um, with um, of people, whether, um, whether in traditional medical settings or otherwise using herbs and having this knowledge and having this wisdom and having this relationship does not count to them. Um, and so I think that there are all these ways in which um, even in a situation such as surgery where there is so much surrender involved, I mean, um, you're literally like getting drugged, you're, um, there's, you're, there's trauma happening to your body, you wake up disoriented, you don't have agency over yourself. Um, so I'm really interested in the entry points where in what seems like kind of a sharp, like swing to one end of this, like do nothing or surrender to biomedical interventions that there are entry points in, um, through herbs and that, um, and that can grant some level of agency. Mm -hmm. And do I have time for one more example in that regard? Yes. Absolutely. Great. So I did a bunch of interviews um, for this trans herb book that's coming out. Um, shout out to the trans herb book. Um, 
I will name the editors at the end, but um, they're all dears, Vilda Emiliano, um, Deshana. Um, but I'm writing a piece for the herb book about um, utilizing herbs in um, certain um, surgeries that trans women and trans femmes go through. And um, I interviewed a bunch of people who did use herbs, whether in the form of teas or, um, or uh, oils or creams or um, multiple examples of using herbs in surgery recovery. And I was interviewing a few different people and each one of them at some point talked about how, regardless of like the effect that the herbs were having, and sometimes the herbs were having this really healing effect, that the acts of, of um, having this relationship with herbs, taking herbs um, was huge for them in this moment where they had the least agency over their bodies, mm. perhaps in their entire lives. Um, and that was a thread that came up organically um, in ways that felt like really, by the time the third person started talking about it, I started to like <laughs> laugh, gleefully laugh. I was like, yeah, like okay, this so is amazing. A thing. I know it. This is the thing. I know what you're about to say. Hmm. And, um, but it's, I think that those entry points are really, really potent, um, even in a situation where there is so much surrender involved um, to the medical industrial complex. Um, and in terms of the other side of things, in terms of people who choose not to take, um, not to utilize the medical industrial complex, I think that um, I'm very influenced by um, Vilda, who I've mentioned already, um, with her framing of, oh, I wanna pull this up for a second. Um, she talks about in one of her presentations of gender affirming herb magic. And um, this really struck me because I think it offers an expansion to what I think people often think about when we talk about trans herbalism. And I think that this, um, well, she talks about how like, feelings around gender and experience are woven from many different layers. And, um, but don't always have to do with like hormones, body modifications, um, but, can do, but can have to do with things like emotional temperaments, cultural meanings and associations. And there are many ways of that herbs can kind of bring in what feels gender rights to mm. different people. And, so just like if, um, and I think that herbs can be potent allies in these realms. And so if part of my personal gender feeling is that I feel, or I want to feel a lightness of being in an open heart and rose glycerite allows me to access that, um, then despite not having hormonal or direct body modifying actions, then rose glycerite is, is, a trans herb because a trans person is using it to feel better in their bodies. And I think that that's like another layer of agency that I think is really awesome because it's like, it's not only about like shifting physical um, appearance of our bodies 
it's about, it's like, it's about, I don't know, for lack of better words, like feeling good. It's about, um, Mm. I don't know, like regulating our digestion. That's a way of inviting agency. And it's about relationship, right? I mean, I think there's something in there. It's like, if we're reducing herbs to, they have this component, it has this physical effect on some humans. And if we're reducing transness to transition, I think both of those kind of, both of those um, ways of reducing things can be like, yeah, uh, complexified. I don't know if that's a word or unflattened um, where in fact, yeah, there's a lot more to a trans experience than just transition. There's a lot more to a herb relationship to herb and healing and uh, support. And yeah, sometimes, I mean, I think that really speaks to me. I like just definitely will be going on, um, I don't know, stressful medical visit or taking the underground or something. And I definitely have some herbs in my pocket. They're not doing anything to me medically in that moment, but they're in my pocket. And there's like, they're little friends who you could take with you and like I have a relationship with them and I grow them and I love them. And I think there's, there's just so many layers to it. And yeah, there's such a danger in a way of it being very reducted, reducted, uh, reduced. Um, And yeah, I love that that is, yeah, kind of on the table and something to, to talk about and they're like, nope, let's make it really complex. Let's deal with all the parts of being human and plant because we can. Totally, totally, absolutely. And I think like, especially with like trans women, marginalized people in general, this way of cultivating that relationship is in itself, I think, really powerful medicine mm-hmm. um because i think so often like relationships in all forms are um are, i guess gatekept in a way from us um whether it's through like transphobia trans misogyny or it's about like having to um work harder for survival or fight harder for survival depending on like positionality um but I think the the fact that like we can have relationships with plants and non-human beings around us I think is really 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 powerful so I really appreciate you bringing in this aspect Mm -hmm. of like plant medicine as one of many tools of relationship building Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah. For me, that's been some of the most healing stuff that happened was connection, relationship. Like, that's everything really. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, it's, yeah, so hard to access it. We're not really allowed to. And yeah. gatekeeping is a thing. And there is an agency in just being like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, And I just want to add another layer to that where it's, um, I know from personal knowledge that your relationship is definitely does not only go one way, where you are tending, you're tending land at the moment, you're growing a lot of the plants um, that um, you're, you have a relationship with. And I think it is really important that that's another piece of it, that 
it's not a one-way relationship where it's like, mm. we also have to continually ask the questions of like, how can I show up for, for plants and the non-human world? I mean, and the human, the living world, I will say as mm. a whole, yeah. as, as part of um, this relationship of um, reciprocity. Mm. And um, I know you as somebody who is really, um, um, I mean, you've always been in that relationship and I, and I'm, and I'm really excited for this like current manifestation and solidification of that relationship of you, like literally growing a lot of the medicine. Um, and I think that that's just another important piece of the relationship of that. It's not one way. And I think that like, it's also not only not one way, but I think the, like the both ways aspect of it isn't like, okay, the plant gives me this thing. Therefore I shall give <laughs> them this thing. That's not how friendships work. We just show mm, up for right. each other. And like, it's, and it's like, we love each other and we show up for each other. And um, I think that there is something really nourishing in the tending of our environments as a whole. Yeah. Which is not why we do it. Not for the nourishment, but <laughs> but it is um, part of the story. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> Oof, I have all the feels. Yeah. How do people find out more about your work? And then you can shout out to all the people you've been meaning to shout out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, people, so my website is still in the making, but you can find me on Instagram. If you can find me past the algorithm these days, I'm um, Ayelet, A-Y-E-L-E-T, then underscore, 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 Hashachar, that's H-A-S-H-A-C-H-A-R. Um, and I'm sure I'll you'll have I'll put everything in the, I'll put it all in the show notes, don't worry. Yeah. Um, I am accepting clients. You can contact me if I don't have a website by the time this um, podcast comes out and knowing you, it'll probably come out sooner than I have a website. <laughs> Before midnight tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then um, you can contact me for consults um, at ayelet, A-Y-E-L-E-T dot hashahar, H-A-S-H-A-C-H-A-R at protonmail. P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't have social media, so I have to borrow people's phones every now and then just so that I can look at your Instagram because yeah. it's so gorgeous. And then people are like, oh, yeah, that was a gorgeous new photo. I'm like, oh, I need to go and get a phone. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I need to have, I need to, the website is on, the website is budding. My practice exists. The website is budding. Okay. All right. Yeah. Can't wait. It's yeah. just going to be full of gorgeous photos of you. Yeah. I well, think the world is ready for that. And maybe some plants. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Gotta, gotta do some co-working days and get that shit together. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. So important projects that people should know about and support. I know you've mentioned a few, but anything else you'd like to mention then? I'll put everything oh in the goodness. show notes. There are so many. Um, 
important projects. Um, Trans Herbbook, um, you can follow that also on Instagram, trans.herb.book. Um, the editors are wonderful people, um, Vilda Chaya Fenster Ehrlich, Emiliano Lemos, um, and um, Deshana, whose last name I'm forgetting, but they also go by Spirit Rida um, on, in, on, in their um, practitioner life. And um, other projects, I mean, I just taught at the incredible Garden of Gender Euphoria, mm. um, organized on this um, land project called Bibliotaire in um, so-called Quebec, um, organized by Neve Dumas and um, Anya, whose name, last name I'm forgetting. Um, other, other projects I wanna shout out, um, or just like, is this a moment to shout out like inspirations no, and things like that? Yes, absolutely. Careful. Yeah. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of thinking around like reciprocity with land and things like that. Um, I learned a lot from this author named Robin Wall Kimmerer um, mm. and especially her book, um, Braiding Sweetgrass. Braiding Sweetgrass. The... Yeah. Have you read it? I have. So gorgeous. Oh yeah. It's gorgeous, right? The most. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. So I feel just like shout out, um, shout out to her work around that. Um, I was listening, this is like a realm I'm interested in exploring, but um, I listened to this podcast called For the Wild sometimes. And there was this indigenous scientist named Dr. Max. And I don't know how to pronounce um, this person's last name, L-I-B-O-I-R-N. Um, and this scientist, um, I don't know what pronouns this person uses, um, researches plastics and just like blew my mind in terms of talking about plastics and the plastic industry and um, the plastosphere and like plastics as part of living organisms and just this way of thinking about plastics that I'm really interested in incorporating. I don't know, as somebody who like consumes and creates a lot of medical waste um, in the form of plastics and thinking about plastic surgery, which is not plastic, which doesn't often use like quote unquote plastic. Um, I, I, I just like that analysis was very exciting for me mm. um, to think about. Um, and, um, oh my goodness, um, who else do I want to shout out? There is um, other people in the trans herbal realm. There is this person named Toy Scott, who I don't know how to contact them, but um, I believe they're based in Puerto Rico, um, but they um, used to put out a lot of resources um, specifically for BIPOC trans people in the realm of herbalism. Um, yeah, um, I want to shout out, um, I have many teachers and some teachers who are especially dear to me are Janet Kent and Dave Meesters, um, Dory Midnight, 
um, who also put together an amazing, um, was one of the first people, I don't know, in the, I guess, like, I don't want to say one of the first people, but one of the first people I know of who wrote about trans herbalism, specifically for trans masculine people in 2008 or something like that. Um, yeah, and a lot of herbalists who have been doing um, the work for years. Um, I live right next to this apothecary called Sacred Vibes Apothecary run by Karen Rose. Um, I, um, this, this is not, uh, a lot of these people who I'm mentioning are, are, I don't know if they would identify as trans themselves, but I know that they have supported a lot of um, trans people with herbalism. Um, Karen Sanders and Sarah Holmes of the Blue Otter School. Um, yeah, those, those are some people who I can think about at the moment. Oh, I wish I could shout out the whole advisory team of the Trans Herb Book. We're about nine people, so I don't think this is the moment to do that, but I just think everybody there is doing incredible work around this. Um, yeah, those, I'm going to keep it um, at that for now and maybe add more with your notes, but those are some people who I've learned from whose work inspires me, who I'm interested in making more connections with. Um, yeah. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah. What a gorgeous conversation. I, thank you for like bringing up so many memories as well of like stories that you've told me or stories that we've shared as well and moments that we've been together. It's, we spend so much time online, but yeah. we haven't always. And yeah, it was just really gorgeous to recollect some of those moments. And yeah, I just feel like I'm just constantly learning from you. So thank you for constantly Same. teaching me. <laughs> Same. I mean, shout out to you, Kess Otterleaf, um, and all the work Continue. you're doing around this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to the Queer Plants book, um, the Queer Plant scene, your novels, um, which are really inspiring. Um, and yeah, I mean, Babe, we met in a garden. We literally met in a garden. On Tu Bishvat. On Tu exactly. <laughs> Gorgeous. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Um, love much you. love to you. And um, thank you so much. Oh, 